you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch was probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. Exciting news from our friends at Saskatoon Folk Rap Records. 20 years after its original release, Epic's classic album 830 in Newfoundland will be released on vinyl and cassette starting this Bandcamp Friday. Make sure to follow Saskatoon Folk Rap Records on Instagram for more information and go to saskatoonfolkraprecords.bandcamp.com so you can pick up a copy of Epic's 830 in Newfoundland. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Welcome to Witch Police Radio. After a little bit of technical difficulties, I'm here with the Inflatable Band. And, uh, you know, I've actually been really enjoying doing these uh, calls remotely. I know the pandemic kind of forced them, but it it's, makes it easier for me. I don't have to go somewhere. I can just, like, sit at home in my basement and, and talk to people. But in this case, I mean, uh, last time I had you guys on the show, it was a very active... Um, environment i guess you could call it you did a lot of live performances we were in that cool little jam space and so in situations like this i miss having the opportunity to actually go and see uh guests on the podcast like in person but this is what we got for now um you know because things are how they are so i think the best way to start this off is if the four of you would like to introduce yourselves and what you play in the band and then people can just put a name to the voice i'm jordan and uh i uh i uh play bass and Jordan's the newest member of the band. Cool. Yeah, I, cool. last time we were with you, Jordan had not yet joined. Yeah, oh yeah, very exciting. Yeah, like uh, I've been in the I'm the new guy, but I've been in for like two years now. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I had you on the show for sure. So yeah, uh, I'm Jeff. I scream and I hit a guitar and I play theremin. I'm Curtis. I sing and play guitar. And I'm Jesse. I play the drums. So. I think that, like, you know, uh, that helps, obviously, for people who are listening to, to know who's who's talking to who. But I wanted to start off with the, the shittiest question ever, is just, like, how do you define what the inflatable band is? Because I have an idea, but I also haven't heard you in a couple of years. And maybe things have changed uh, since since the last record and, and since since I saw you, uh, you know, perform for the podcast, uh, like I was just talking about. So I don't even remember if last time we determined this, this horrible question of what is the genre. And I don't know if there is one for the inflatable band, but what do you, what do you call it at this point? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've thought about this a lot, especially since the last time we talked and, you know, it's, it's something that we don't really intellectualize because it's all about feel it's down. We're, we're really into the, the idea of the jam. And I think that, that whatever we are, it just comes out of our collective record collections. It's not an intellectual process where we sit down in a room before we play and say, Oh well, let's let's do some songs tonight that are like sound like a goth band or something like that. Um, it's it's a it's free flowing. We're all about um, 
about the jam and we're all about the instantaneousness of the moment. And so um, quite often that'll be like a punk rock kind of thing. Yeah. But we're a little we're a little bit more open than that to, to accepting what comes out. Well, and maybe yeah, that, that, sorry, I was going to say, maybe that openness, that, that, that jamness of it all, um, has that been impacted by what everyone's been going through for the past two years? Like, have you been able to actually physically get together and jam as much as you would have liked over this whole period? Well, not, not as much as yeah. we'd like, I don't think. We had to take a lot, pretty good break at the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it took us a while to get back into it, really. The, the real tragedy of the pandemic was that I think that we were literally at the halfway point uh, of making our new album when the pandemic hit. And so that was uh, that was a big blow. But I think that the cool thing about that is that there's inflatable band, pre-pandemic and inflatable band, post-pandemic. And I'm not sure if there's a big difference, but maybe it's discernible. Yeah, it's not as much of a tragedy as the pandemic itself. Yeah, of course, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. All people dying. <laughs> yeah, that's that's obviously worse than than an album being interrupted for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhat. Yeah, it's, amazing, <laughs> it's like it doesn't quite register on any scale, but in our brains. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. We're probably if you had to put a label on us, some kind of often is yeah rooted in punk but jam punk yeah like you probably we at this point there would be a lot of people would say something like psychedelic or we had garage thrown at us as a pejorative a few times i think early on (laughs) so but yeah we do like all kinds of genres gimmick stuff in it as as they kind of come out for sure but you know what i feel like i feel like we're just making songs, and so it's up to other people to make up their own minds what we're doing. We're a local yeah. band, show. We're a local band, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing with any band, right? Once you once it's out of your hands, it's once you've recorded it and released it, it's completely out of your hands, and, and people listening to it are going to put whatever label or whatever feeling they want to it, and uh, you're kind of you can't control that at all. Mm. Yeah, everything starts with yeah. like an improv thing, and like. We like all different kinds of music, so there's no genre that's off the table for being a song. We just start playing, and then yeah. sometimes we'll just we'll make the most the corniest sort of pop songs, and that's part of the fun, you know. Yeah. Well, just 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 to go back to um the kind of division between you know before pandemic and and I guess post pandemic if you want to call it that now. I, is there a discernible sound to you guys? Like, do you listen to stuff you recorded? Because it's been a while since this has been going on, right? Uh, do you listen to stuff you recorded then? And does it does it give you a different feeling than than what you're doing now? Like, are you, whether it's subconsciously or not, like influenced by this kind of uh, funk that everyone's been in? Uh, not funk as in genre, but just like you know malaise, I guess that the whole world has been dealing with. Maybe funk as in genre. I don't know. Well, subconsciously, there's yeah. probably some degree of it. I think, I think we're cool. excited to like you know, like get back in jam. Most yeah, of the time. it's probably more like that where yeah, there's a little low energy uh, maybe at first. Yeah, you're out of practice and then uh, it's just, yeah, it's just nice to get back into it as a regular thing. Uh, I don't know. We kind of went started going in a more harder kind of uh, yeah psyche kind of heavier direction. The new album and rocks kind of, more, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think we were we're more we're going more in that direction. Yeah, okay. I think it was, you know, yeah. but also just, I think the songs are longer too. The songs are longer. Yeah, and we're trying some more things and stuff. So 
Yeah, I say I don't know if there's a big difference between between the beginning and now. It just it seems like we kind of just we started going in a direction. And now we're just more in that direction, which makes sense. Yeah. Curtis and I were talking earlier on tonight. Like you were saying, you think we sound less goofy. Did I say that? I think so. Maybe that was not yes. on, oh, on so yeah. many words. Well, there used to be our, on our new stuff. There's there used to be a little bit more of a joke element, yeah. which we still do, but yeah. just the songs that happen to be uh, prime for uh, our next album are less so. I'd say there's less there's there's there is yeah. elements, especially lyrically, that you could say subconsciously have a we're worldly influence. Probably. Yeah, we're not as funny. We're just older and less pain. Yeah, yeah older and more bitter. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the world has beaten you down more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is is that move though? To, not with the lyrics, but but towards like more more psyche stuff. Is that conscious or is that just kind of had the natural evolution of, of how this um, happened? Because again, like you've said a few times already, it all comes out of a jam. It's all kind of um, you know something that's developed sort of in the moment. Um, did you, was anyone trying to sort of steer it in that direction or did it just sort of, you know, organically well, go that way? I, sorry. I think, uh, like towards the end, like closer to when we recorded our first album, like Jeff had gotten a theremin and a stylophone more recently. And then I got, uh, this polychorus pedal where it can make all these crazy sounds and like, uh, and Jordan got a synth and he wasn't in the band on the first album. So there's different tools that create different elements that naturally put in. And then it just happens naturally after that. I think, I think that's a good point because when we recorded our first album, just got everything, I think I had gotten the theremin like one month before recording. So it was kind of a noisemaker on the first record. And now like I kind of learned how to sort of play it kind of. Mm. <laughs> so that's a big thing. Also yeah. when you start a band with like new people, don't necessarily play for 12 minutes and you know we just we develop a language together that you know if you play with different people you'd have a different language because you're interacting with different uh, energies and interests language but we don't talk about our songs that much i, <laughs> I, I mean i figured it'll be it's all psychic powers we're, yeah. we've honed our yeah, psychic powers right. yeah that's, that's, we're just supposed to know i say psyche because we're, we're psychic powers yes yeah. it seems like the theremin might be a hub for that right it's just like controlling all the mental waves and dispersing them yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Manipulating of radio waves. Yeah, trying yeah. to just get a giant metal rod that will focus everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
just to, to touch on discount everything, I mean, that building burnt down, uh, you know, between mm-hmm. the time between when you made that record and now. Um, what was that like? I mean, I, I know it's not your building, but just the, like, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that in the news. I'm like, oh shit, it's the, it's the building from the Inflatable Band yeah. album. And I mean, I've been past it thousands of times over the years, but I associate it with that album cover. Like, did you get a bunch of people messaging you? I mean, I probably did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mentioning yeah. that I this did was get happening. a lot of, I did get a lot of people messaging me. Um, let me tell you about something like that. I, I've never been inside Discount Everything because, you know, I, I sort of discovered it one day when I was walking down the street and, and I was like, you know, lost one summer and I, I, I sort of happened upon it. I don't drive around, so I don't really know these parts of the city so much, but um, I just thought it was a really enigmatic building. And uh, when it came to the, the time to, um, to make the first record, uh, we had some creative ideas about what to do with the cover art, but nothing was really, we, we weren't all 100% sold on it. And then sort of as a last minute inspiration, I remembered that enigmatic building and I wanted to go take a picture of it. But yeah, like, like since, since that became the album cover, I, I've sort of just, I sort of decided to myself that I never wanted to know what was inside because it would destroy the magic for me. Right. And now, as you say, it burnt down. So you can't know. It's unknowable. Yeah. It's unknowable, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was never inside, but going past it was really weird. It was really surreal after it was on the, the album cover. Yeah, because it was just like it was, I, my brain could only process it as our album cover come to life. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. Like inside like a dollhouse it's or something. real. It's weird, yeah. It's like one of those weird, iconic Winnipeg things, like the chicken car wash kind of, where, you know, it's just people saw it all the time and they knew it was there and it just was this thing that you assumed would never go away. But yeah, it's uh, it's, yeah. it's gone. You've, you preserved it for the ages <laughs> on the album yeah. cover. Yeah, we're kind of, that's maybe it's a curse. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, who, what building are you putting on the new one? You got to make sure that... Uh... <laughs> well, we just took a picture of that building on the porch. So yeah. Actually, it's funny that you say that, Sam, because we have decided, we've talked about, it's not 100% official, but the working title of the new album is called The Neon Factory. Okay. Or just Neon Factory. Yeah, another one of those Winnipeg iconic places. Yeah, sure. Exactly. So we might have we might have found a thing. I think that's the perfect title, actually. Yeah. The sound of the album. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we have a song called Neon Factory as well. Yeah. But but the Neon Factory and and Discount Everything they're kind of evocative of something, right? I mean, it's yes, it's like this kind of you know funny Winnipeg thing that people remember or people see when they're going by. But I mean, it has a it has a vibe to it, right? Both those titles do. Yeah, the, the names, the aesthetic of the the words. As you know, when you're an album title or a title for anything is, you know, two or three or one word that's to evoke something, you know, that you don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. And as I said, like when I saw that building, there was something just poetic about the way it looked. I love the way that they, they hadn't painted it in a while. And I love the way that there were there were two, not one, but two payphones set into the side of the building, you know, so late into the, the cell phone era. You yeah. know, there's something magical about it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my experiences in the Neon Factory have been psychedelic. So, so it makes sense. Yeah. It fits. Mm-hmm. What is what? the um, what's kind of the timeline on on this new record now? I mean, I know like you said, the pandemic sort of interrupted um, getting it made, but what are you looking at as far as when you're going to release it? We have a track listing now. Finally, uh, there's a couple like 
loose ends that that uh, we've taken way too long to finish up, like some overdubs and stuff. But I'd say uh, late summer or fall it'll be released. Cool. Yeah. And obviously, had, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. We just had a uh, Paige Drobot lay down some sax parts for us. Oh, cool, cool. Do, do you think that, that's not what I was going to ask about? But this kind of brings up another question there, maybe. Um, do you think that you've kind of found um, like your people in Winnipeg as far as uh, bands and other artists that that mesh well with you, whether it's being on the same bill as or just that you kind of uh, have a sense of community with? I think so. Yeah, there, there, we have a we have a stable of bands we've enjoyed playing with, and mm-hmm. and we've asked to play with us a number of times. Um, I'll just run down a, sure. a quick list of people. Um, Adiethalamai, yeah. I can say it. Um, Kiki Cuts, yeah. um, the Vital, the Vital. yeah. Um, who else? Oh, we played with Ponyma recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Freaking Snap was a fetch show. Freaking Snap. We played with him a lot too, yeah. Famous Sandhogs. Famous Sandhogs. Our favorite. Yeah, that's. I think we talked about the Famous Sandhogs last time. And the yeah. the, the enigma around that uh, the, that yeah. character, and I still don't know who it is. I don't want to know. I, I'm, I'm, I've no, gone out of my way to avoid learning who he actually is. We, we've we're we're lucky enough to be the only band in the city who has, has as of yet shared the bill with the famous Sandhogs. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? It was cool. Well, you know, it, it took away a, a little bit of the enigmatic mystery, a little bit, but uh, but yeah. We we partied at the famous Santa Hogs house. Oh wow, that's uh yeah, that's that's definitely a step towards unraveling <laughs> the, the mystery. The secret underground lair, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, he clearly lives in a lair. Yeah, there's no way he has an actual house. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. silo. <laughs> I think why not? Why not? Famous Santa Hogs, though. Just <laughs> it's unknown Santa Hogs. Yeah. Yeah. The unknown Santa Hogs. Yeah. The infamous Santa Hogs. Curious Santa Hogs. So I know you said just a few minutes ago that you know the goal is to release this thing in in summer fall kind of uh, time period. Hopefully by then you know things will have changed for the better in terms of being able to play shows and have people at shows. Because I, I imagine that with a band like yours, you want to this is something you want to present with a performance rather than just here's a CD or here's a, a download or something, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah. We've talked about recording a live album actually, so we should. That will probably. Yeah, that would be something we could work on after after this album's done. Whenever we play, we we tend to record our shows on Zoom mics, and so we have a vast library of past gigs and so on. We have a vast library of like stuff we'll never use too. Mm, that's yeah, cool. like even our new album is like eighty minutes long. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a lot of mu- it's gonna be a lot of music for everyone to enjoy. That's awesome. I, I'm really glad to hear that you save everything too, because like I, I have this obsession with the fact that I think that everyone should be recording and documenting and saving everything, even if it never goes anywhere. I love the idea of people having just like whether it's physical boxes of tapes or like a computer full of files or whatever, just because like there's I, I don't know I I mean I would don't think I'd be doing this podcast for so long if I didn't think there was value in everyone's weird recordings, you know? Like there's um yeah. whether it ever comes out or you go back to it ten years from now and be like oh shit this is cool I'm gonna you know share it with someone like there's the fact that you can record everything, especially with a band that is like live driven and is improv driven and jam driven. Like it makes complete sense that you're documenting all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I did release one uh, live album, sort of demoniac. 
it wasn't well not live i mean you could say say it's live it's just for us yeah we had uh like in that same vein like uh a couple things that we put in our band camp like demoniac and uh the realm hereafter we're just from because we record everything and like we forget about it and then i'd be going through files or or stuff or or tapes with the realm hereafter and like wow this is cool like you don't even realize at the time because you we record everything but then and it's kind of arbitrary what you happen to find you know because like but yeah, as long as you walk out. What what I guess what what makes a good what makes something that you want to keep then? Because like you said, you have all these recordings, and I'm sure that like uh, no one wants to sit there and go through all of them uh, necessarily. But what what are you looking for that actually makes something worthwhile to release uh, from your perspective uh, out of a jam? The chill that goes down your spine. The frisson. <laughs> sometimes you'll we'll make these recordings, and like a year later, Curtis will will. Bring us over. Hey, listen to this track we recorded like of October last year. Isn't it amazing? And we we we've, we had totally forgotten um, recording it. You know, there's a track that's going to be on the new uh, album called Dissenter, and uh, it, it was it was the original version was from a jam, and Curtis uh, played it to me and said, "Hey, this song that we did, um, I, I think it would be be great to work on for the album." And he played it for me, and I was like, I don't remember singing these words. <laughs> so it's like like I wrote a song without trying or remembering, you know? I love that feeling. Also, like like with a pop song that we make up as a melody, you know, it might go on for eight minutes, but, like, we can make it better. We can make it yeah. more concise. Because no one wants to hear all our endless, you know, looking yeah. for every idea of something. But then sometimes there are things of a different nature that are more, like, sound experiments and stuff, and the meshing of all the different uh, weirdo sounds we're making together, which you couldn't just recreate. We're not going to like work like demoniac as an example. We're not just going to, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to rehearse that. There's not a second. Like a minute, it's, like song. it's half an hour. Half an hour. <laughs> well, how does that work with live stuff then? I mean, are there certain songs that you just don't do live because they can't be replicated or, or I mean, do you just kind of write them out of the set list? Well, uh, like, that kind of stuff, like those sound experiments stuff, they're just one-offs. Yeah. We don't... Songs, like the stuff, kind of stuff that'll be on our albums, those are stuff we, we can play, you know. And and sometimes we'll we'll wander down that improv route during a live concert and, yeah. and, and do whatever we feel like and sing a birthday song for a friend in yeah. the audience or, or uh, we'll just get distracted during a song and follow whatever tangent we're on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of thrilling because it could fail very badly in front of all these people. That's kind of the fun of it, I guess. I guess you gotta be kind of in the right mood or I don't know.
but that can be that can be like a you know a fail in front of a crowd if in front of a crowd can be like a silver lining in the sense that like you could come up with something so cool that it like offends the audience but like yeah. it, it, it invokes some kind of emotion from the crowd right like I've been in bands that did that and like made horrible noises that no one liked but like yeah. you, you find something out of that and you're like oh this this part was super cool even though everyone you know ran away screaming or whatever like there, there's some, something to it that that evoked that so you can potentially use it especially if you're you know using bits of improvisations and stuff yeah that reminds me of a story um early on in the band's career like i think that the first concert where we felt sort of like real excitement from the crowd we played at uh, the king's hotel and and we were, we were doing like a lot of punky numbers and it was like a punk rock thursday and uh people were going crazy and there were like like people jumping on the stage and and dive into the audience and stuff. And then we finished and they went wild and they started like cheering for an encore, but this was early on. So we didn't have many more songs. So we just like for the encore, we did an improv and, and the wild ecstatic cheering from the rest of our set sort of faded away yeah. to be like, mused wonderment at our strange improv. We've done that. We have a sort of a, the stupidest joke ever, but uh, we have like an improv we saw us play at shows called Snowy Gandalf. <laughs> Okay. And the lyrics are, all my exes live in Texas on a snowy Gandalf, and it repeats. And uh, it's different every time because we don't know how it goes. And, it's, yeah, it's really, it's not funny. It's just. We, we haven't done it in yeah. years, though. But, it's yeah. funny to me because it's yeah, like. I didn't know we did this. <laughs> Were you there? I don't know. We've done like a two or three shows. That's pre-Jordan. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of it. Me and Jeff were talking one night, and I was trying to think of like a, just a stupid name. I said Snowy Gamble. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if people are hearing about you for the first time uh, on this show, and they want to hear what you have out now, I mean, like I know you, I know you have the one album out already. Hopefully, you know, just being a podcast, someone could hear it a year from now, and by then you'll have another one out. You also have those other recordings uh, available. What's the best way to find you online to to hear what you're doing? Uh, Bandcamp, band yeah, theinflatablebandcamp.com. No, I think it's theinflatablebandcom Inflatablebandcom. Band we don't know, so I'll I'll put a link to it. I'll figure out what it is, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. People can just click on it. Something to that effect. Also, I think I think the the Facebook page is pretty fun because there's lots of videos of of complete shows from the past and so on, and snippets and yeah. Well, there's a couple. There's a cop. There's not a lot.
have any like you know tentative plans to play any shows at this point or is it still sort of uh, too early to to know if that's even possible supposed to play one oh yeah we do have one uh, for uh, space docs uh, oh, cool. that's right in may yeah. yeah yeah i actually had uh, greg on talking about that he mentioned you guys that's right yeah yeah, yeah. i listened to that i was i was i was tickled pink about what you guys were saying about us it. it was so nice yeah, you know, maybe that's something that to, to talk about though. I mean, that is like that stuff that Greg's doing and the whole space doxa thing is very experimental. It's very weird and like you know, um, uh, outsider kind of art. And I mean, like you have elements of that for sure, especially in the the improv stuff. But I mean, what is it? Do you have to prepare differently to do something like that? Uh, are you going into a show like that saying we're going to play these pop songs, or is it just going to be we're going to just you know do the Gandalf thing or whatever uh, for for twenty five minutes? We might do more of that. I don't know. We haven't talked about it, but Greg always says he just appreciates the band, and he really likes the fact that our songs come from jams and we do yeah. improv because he's all into that. And, they all come from improv, yeah. every, every except not all of them actually. There's not every single one. But, There's a couple actually. But, yeah, I think playing but, Space Dogs, so we would we would feel very free knowing the kind of things that, that yeah. do do get played at Space Dogs, right? Yeah, that was probably. Bring one of my synthesizers. Yeah, we'll, we'll do something. We'll like, do some weird stuff. We'll just feel weird while we're there. So, so natural. <laughs> well, you're or like enough. the rare actual band band that's playing there too, right? Usually, I mean, some of the other stuff is like a guy, you know, beating someone with a stick and screaming or whatever. So, like, you have a, a little bit more of a traditional. And I mean, that's you know, guy beating someone with a stick and screaming sounds like it'll be really fun to watch. But Wait, you have a more traditional one? sort of setup. Yeah, I, I don't really know that much about space stocks, but. Uh, what you say i mean probably something like that we would change up our uh, 
approach maybe like we might not even play any of our actual songs we might just get like a certain I don't know. There are four of us. We could have four sticks. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> We've pretty much played it before. So yeah, we haven't really talked about it, but um, we played the graffiti gallery. Yeah, cool. Well, do you, have you figured out sort of who your audience is? I mean, I know that like you know, like you said, there's there's those people who like the weird stuff. There's kind of the punk element of it. Uh, who 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 is the inflatable band's audience? Open-minded yeah. punks. <laughs> Open-minded yeah, punks, right? Yeah, yeah slightly yeah. arty punks. Yeah. <laughs> People who happen to hear it and happen to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main audience. <laughs> you know, there, there was a, a great time we did a show at Bulldog Pizza, and uh, th- this lady who had been randomly assigned to work the door, she came up to me after and bought a CD and said, I wanted to buy this because I've never heard a band like you before and, and that what better you know what better compliment yeah. could you get yeah for sure i can see if you hate me and i know why i can see if you hate me and here is why i can see if you hate me that I can try and fail to display it out for you. I can see if you hate me, and here is why. I can hear how you bait me, and how I look and look all over at all the things about. And I disagree with you about. I can say if you hate me, and here is why. I can say how you hate me, and here is why I look. Yeah. 